Amen. That's our testimony, isn't it? Is it truth what we just say? Is his goodness running after us all the time? Is it, is it true? Okay, well, what if things go bad? Can you still sing, all my life you have been faithful? Can you still sing that? Even in the dark times? Isn't it awesome that we have truth? that we can speak to our hearts, that we can actually apply to our hearts even when it's hard, even when it doesn't feel like it's working and when, it, when it's not going the way that you thought it was going to go. There's so many stories here today. There's stories of joy. <laughs> you, you guys high over here, the Staley family, you know, the, but seeing Willow get baptized. Um, what a blessing. But there are stories of pain. There are stories of despair, actually. There are, there are stories right now of people who say, I just don't even know what my next step is going to be. But because we know the Lord and because we have his word, we can sing with truth and confidence that all my life you have been faithful. And you're, you believe it. Come on, sing it. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath, with every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Help us, Lord, help us today. Strengthen us today. Strengthen our feeble knees and help us to trust in you. Help us to wait on you so that our strength can be renewed. Bring peace and hope and confidence in that truth that you have never let anyone down and you're never going to. And we can trust in that. And we pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And it was a pleasure for me to stand down here next to my father-in-law and sing that song. Because I have had the privilege of marrying into the Cook family 37 years ago and watch him and my mother-in-law, Bobby Cook, live out that truth that we just sang about. And he can testify over and over and over of the goodness of the Lord and the provision of the Lord in his life and in his world. And I've been able to be um, an observer of that and watch him and watch his life. And um, we love when you come and speak to us. And so again, would you come and let's welcome him to our platform, Evangelist Jim Cook. Thank you, Philip. Yes. Thank you, Philip. It's been a pleasure already for me to be here. See, Willow obeyed the Lord early on in her Christian life. You know, I was reminded as I heard her testimony uh, this morning that... Uh, the longest recorded period in the Bible between conversion and baptism is three days. And uh, it took the uh, Apostle Paul longer to be baptized than any other recorded convert in the Bible. And baptism tells that you believe in a crucified, a buried, and a raised from the dead Savior, that he is forever alive. And he has saved you, and you are going to live your life out for him. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized the same day, and there was only one witness to the baptism. And uh, it was the preacher. <laughs> and uh, how delightful that was. 
And no doubt there's some dear folks that are here this morning, and since your actual conversion, since you've come to faith, you've not yet obeyed the Lord in baptism, and today would be a wonderful and a marvelous time to just say, Lord Jesus, I want to confess you openly and publicly. I want others to know that I have trusted you. And it'd be a good time to just respond today and follow the Lord that way. We're in the Gospel of Luke this morning, the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter. Uh, it's just a little bit off-center from the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So you kind of head right. If you get to the book of Concordance, you've gone too far. Come back a little bit, you'll find the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. So at this point, we find the Lord Jesus has entered the city, and he's passed through the city. He's now on the outer perimeter of the city. And uh, there's a man there. His name is Zacchaeus. He's chief among the publicans, and uh, he is rich. He is rich. If we had began reading a little earlier in the 18th chapter... At verse 35, and it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, he's approaching Jericho, he's now on the opposite side of Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. So on one side of the city, he finds a poor man uh, who is blind. On the other side of the city... He finds a rich man. And it really doesn't matter whether the person is poor or rich. Jesus Christ is able to meet that person and save that person and change that person's life in such a marvelous and wonderful way. And so he sought this rich man to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. There are so many people gathered around him that uh, he couldn't actually see the Savior. On the other end of the city, this blind man inquired about all the noise and commotion that was going on from the multitude of people that were following after Jesus. And uh, they said, Jesus of Nazareth passes by. And he began to shout and cry out, but he did not call out to Jesus of Nazareth. He called out, Thou son of David! Thou son of David! He uses the Old Testament messianic name of Jesus Christ. And he says, Have mercy on me! And when Jesus heard that name, he said, Bring that person to me. And Jesus healed him of his blindness in that place. What a wonderful thing uh, that had happened. And he said, uh, what, what is it that you want? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, all that he cared for was seen, but all that he cared to see was Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to open his eyes and see the son of David, the promised Messiah, and it was done and, and happened. It was a wonderful thing. And as we get back into the 19th chapter, and he ran before and climbed up. This is Zacchaeus now, the guy who's rich. He's a short guy, probably not as tall as myself, of course, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, probably pretty close. He wasn't a tall fellow. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, hurry up, and um, for today, today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down 
and received him joyfully. Oh, what a wonderful thing was happening in his life. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying that he, Jesus, was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold or four times as much. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. He had an instant conversion. It took place immediately. It was not down the road before too long, pretty soon. It was right then, right there, you're born anew. You've become a new creature in me. You're saved now. You're saved forever. It was an instantaneous change uh, in his life. As, as a matter of fact, this man was no doubt a Jew who was a hired out tax collector to Rome. He was hated and despised by his own countrymen because he was working for the, the enemy, as it were. And uh, money was important to him. But as soon as he was converted, uh, money no longer was prominent in his thinking. It was no longer valued as it was uh, prior to his conversion. So right here, right now, he has salvation. For the Son of Man, in verse 10, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, the really important things in life, it seems, don't really come our way that often. I mean, something that would be of great benefit to us, the opportunity that uh, might come our way, not necessarily something we planned or we were aware of or that we knew a lot about, but something really big, something really significant, something that would change our lifestyle, something that would change our life as it were. Maybe you can look back and remember in your life when you had a job opportunity and uh, it was with a new company and you didn't think much of it. You were pretty well satisfied with uh, where you were at and they wanted you and they made you an offer and you decided not to do it. But if you had done it, as you look back, you would be a millionaire or close to it you would have had a much larger pile. You could have bought even the things that your wife wanted. <laughs> you, would have, you, would have, you would have had a bundle. I wonder how many guys and girls, just for fun this morning, uh, could say, hey, I, I remember, <laughs> I recall uh, a passing opportunity and it got by me. And if I had acted like I normally would have, like... Uh, I, I, I think I would certainly have done if it happened again, but that opportunity got by me and, uh, and I'm still working for her to make a living. How many like that? How many did something like that and you didn't raise your hand? How many? <laughs> All right, very good, very good. So sometimes we have an opportunity that's really very important to us, but we... We don't move on it. We don't make any, anything of it. If you had made an investment at a particular time in your life, it may have made a, a big difference. I saw a commercial on television. I can't remember the exact amount of money, but it was, went back to like uh, 2008 or something like that. You put 12000 dollars of cash in a safe and you put twelve thousand dollars worth of gold in the safe and if uh you open the safe today the money would still be there it's worth twelve thousand but the the gold would be worth a hundred and thirty two thousand dollars anybody ever buy any gold anybody wish you had <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes things that are important to us and to our family and uh, even to our church, you know, if we do well, the church does well. And uh, something like that is happening here. 
only it's bigger than anyone realizes. But a substantial number of people understood that Jesus was more than a man, more than a preacher, more than a prophet, more than just some impressive, dynamic personality. They understood that he was God manifest in the flesh, that he was the only son of the only God, the only savior of every sinner, the only way to the only heaven. And certainly this blind man did, and certainly Zacchaeus, this very successful, wealthy man, <laughs> recognized that Jesus was the Christ and it changed his life. You never want to forget about the offer that God makes through his son. You never want to ignore or not pay attention to something that God is offering you because God has never, ever, not once, not ever failed to come through on the promises that he has made. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Rich or poor, <laughs> young or old, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's his promise. That's his offer. So this is a passing opportunity here. And Zacchaeus recognized that. And he acted on it. And so did the poor man on the other side of the city. By the way, I got to tell you, there's a lot of poor people here in this area. I drove through part of the town the other day, and it looked like my old neighborhood in Detroit. And uh, there's a lot of poor people in this town, and a lot of those people aren't, aren't born again. I, I just saw the picture about the food uh, preparation, that sort of thing. I gotta tell you, that's, that's important to people that are poor. I remember as a kid, one winter, they had trucks come through our neighborhood in Detroit, and they were throwing off packages, and it had flannel shirts inside of it, you know. And uh, all the kids ran outside. I went out, and one of those packages that they tossed off the truck, I got a hold of it. It was a flannel, a red flannel and red and black shirt. And I liked it, and it was kind of uh, fuzzy, kind of had a little stuff on it. And I ran into a kid at school, had on the same shirt. I knew where he got it. And uh, I had one of those little tiny miniature cigarette lighters, you know. I said, hey, man, that shirt, you know, that's fireproof. You know, that shirt right there you're wearing. I said, you must have got it at an expensive department store. He said, no, I didn't. I said, well, look, I want to show you something prove it's fireproof and I just flicked that spider over there and I mean it, that shirt just exploded into flame and I mean it burned a hole that big in the guy's shirt he wanted my shirt uh, as a result of that incident <laughs> that type of thing well he didn't get it <laughs> but but I was thankful for my shirt and I acted foolishly behaved unwisely and making a connection with uh, somebody there. But God cares about people. And uh, he wants us to understand that poor people have the opportunity. He that giveth unto the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and he shall repay as a promise of Proverbs. How many times in the book of Proverbs you read the word poor? And most of it was penned by the wealthiest man that ever lived on, on the earth, Solomon. And so uh, this is a passing opportunity for these guys over here, the poor man and the rich man. And so here's what we have in this passage here. We have two men, two men who are seeking. In verse 3, the scripture says, and he sought to see Jesus. In verse 10, I am come, Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which is lost. It's a marvelous thing to realize that God is looking for you. And he knows who you are. He knows where you are. You know, when Jesus passed underneath the sycamore tree, 
he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, he called him by name. He knew his name. He knew his need. (laughs) He said, come on down here, pal. I want to come to your house today. And he led Zacchaeus to himself. Zacchaeus realized before he got down on the ground, this person knows me. This miracle worker knows me. He knows all about me. And uh, Zacchaeus came to faith that day. You know, rich people need the Lord too. Wealthy people need Christ as their Savior. As a matter of fact, uh, some dear folks that have a ton of money and they're no happier now than when they had just a little. And uh, all of that is, is good. You can use it if you use it the right way. It's wonderful. But uh, money is not going to make you happy. Now, you can... I always feel better if I have $500 in my pocket than if I have $500 in the bank. I don't know why. It doesn't amount anymore. But I just feel it's handier. It's better. You know, uh, the thing about salvation is it, it doesn't get away from you. It's, it's with you all the time. It's with you forever. Your life, you don't have to be someplace in order to enjoy salvation that God is offering you. And God is willing uh, in, in the same way to save both the poor and uh, the rich. But suppose as the Lord Jesus passed underneath that tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, make haste. Uh, today I must abide at thy house. Suppose Zacchaeus said no. Suppose he said, not now, Lord, I know who you are, and I think you're wonderful, and I'm glad you came to our town, but not now, Lord. Well, Jesus is only a few days from the cross. And uh, suppose he has, as we began to read, already reached the outer perimeter of the city. And behold, a man named Zacchaeus, chief among the publicans, he is rich. And he's up in a tree, and he doesn't recognize, he doesn't respond, he doesn't receive the offer that God is making to him. Will he get another opportunity? You know, when God speaks to you, it may be the last time that he's going to speak to you. You're not going to come to faith whenever you get ready. You're going to come to faith when it's offered. No man can come unto me except the spirit which has sent me draw him. Salvation is at God's time and invitation. And suppose you just neglect that. Suppose you just overlook that. You may never get another opportunity. Take the thief on the cross. He deserved to be there. He was a robber. He'd done many, many terrible things. And on the cross, he said, Lord, hey, remember me. You don't deserve to be here, but I do. He says, remember me because I know that you're a king. And I know that you are going in the end of this day, sit on a throne and rule forever in that kingdom. I know that you are the son of God. Suppose he had not done that. How many opportunities would he have had? I can remember going to church in San Francisco because my wife wanted to go. I wasn't interested. I thought the preacher got paid to find something wrong with everybody. And uh, I didn't like the music. I thought, man, these folks need some help with the music around here. And I thought most of the people in the church were phonies they were, or, or weak sisters. They couldn't make it on their own and they had to call unto the heavens to try and get some kind of cosmic help out of or into their lives. But you know, there were two people in that church that were genuine. <laughs> One of them I didn't like. He was a great big, gentle, jovial giant of a guy standing at the door. And when we 
walked up. He recognized Bobby. She'd been going there several months. And he said, why, you, sir, you must be Mr. Cook. God bless you. We're delighted that you're here today. Come on in. I thought, that guy's a liar. Uh, he doesn't know me. He doesn't care anything about me. He's a phony. That guy's a fake. He's a hypocrite. And uh, I, I didn't like him. There was one old guy in the church. He was 76 years old. And he was actually older than I was at that time. And, you know, when you're 20, I was fresh out of the Marine Corps. And you meet somebody 76 years old, there's not a real huge connection thing going on there. You know what I mean? Uh, and if you would ask me, what do you think? I'd say, man, I hope I don't live that long. You know, <laughs> 76 and 20, not much of a connection space that you would think or count on. But uh, there it was. And every time I went there, which wasn't all that often, Ray Sunquist, this old guy, he'd say, Jimmy, where have you been, son? I've been praying for you. God loves you, boy. God's got something for you, Jimmy. You be listening now. God's going to talk to you today. You be listening. God's got something wonderful for you. And I thought to myself, if there is such a thing as a real Christian, that old guy, I think, is the only one around here who is. And the rest of them, I wouldn't think anything of. I was wrong, 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 of course. But that dear old man touched my life. The other guy, Louis McClellan, the big, gentle, jovial giant at the door, he had paid thousands and thousands of dollars to go to a seminary, a school in Colorado. That wasn't enough. He comes out to California uh, to get a doctor's degree in theology, and he was paying thousands of dollars for that. And he had a job working in a bank making $96 a week. And he drove a Volkswagen Bug, an old one. And he had on suits, but they were out of style. They didn't fit him anymore. They were the wrong color. They were the wrong fit. And I thought, and now this guy wants to go in the ministry where he's probably going to make less money than he's making at the bank, and he's already emptied himself of thousands of thousands of dollars. This guy is not very smart. <laughs> but, you know, that guy weaseled his way into my life. And he came to the little apartment where Bobby and I were living, and he knocked on the door, and he said, Hey, Jimmy, it was great to have you at church on Sunday. Woo oh, man, we're so glad you guys are coming. Hey, I want you to sing in the choir. I'm, I'm directing the choir, and I want you to sing in the choir. And I said, Well, I'm not a singer. He says, Oh, you don't have to worry about that. Most of the guys in the choir can't sing either. He said, but we, we, we want you to come and, and be in the choir. And I said, well, I have to think about it. We got to church on Sunday, and they had robes. We, we had, it was a, kind of an uppity-style church in San Francisco. <laughs> and so they gave us robes, and they had, like, gold braid on them and everything, applets and all. And I thought, hey, that's a pretty sharp robe. And... Uh, here, Bobby and I were singing in the choir. Neither one of us born again. Neither one of us saved. Louie would say, hey, I missed you guys last week in the choir. I missed you in the church. What's up? What's going on? Hey, come on. Hey, this Sunday, we've got a big ham dinner at the house, and we want you to come out and have dinner with us. And so I thought, hey, that sounds good. So uh, we... We went and had dinner with him, and the guy kept talking and talking and talking, and before long, it was time to go back to church on Sunday night. They had Sunday night services back in those days, and uh, he, he got us back to church on Sunday night. Bobby said, honey, do you think we could do that again? I said, look, babe, this business of going to church twice in one day is for really wicked people, and uh, that, that's not for us. But you know, it was in that place 
where only one or two, very few caring people were. In that place, I came to faith, and the big, gentle, jovial giant who didn't know anything became my pastor. <laughs> and we planted a church in Fairfield, California, uh, together. So sometimes the things that don't really appear to be all that important are very important and sometimes we don't recognize the things that are very important. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is a propitiation for our sins, 1 John 2, 2, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ paid what no other human could pay. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Remember the fellow, the Pharisee that came to Jesus in John 3. He knew a lot about the Bible. He knew a lot about religion. And Jesus said, what you need is to be born again. Because until you're born anew, born from above, born of the Spirit of God, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so... Have you come to faith? Have you come to receive, come to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? You can do that this morning. You can do that this morning before you leave. We have two men seeking here, and we have two men speaking. One cried, Zacchaeus! The other cried, Lord, Lord. And there was a transaction there uh, that took place. You know, God speaks to you out of the Bible. I went to a funeral last week. I was invited to speak. There was a, a preacher pal of mine died in uh, water. What's the name of that town, babe? I, can't, I can never remember the town. What? Will you speak up, please? This is important. Plainwell, Michigan. And, uh, uh, so... Uh, we, we had the service and everything, and we get out to the burial uh, site. And only about 75 people came out to the burial site. It was very cold. It was very windy. And uh, I just spoke briefly, a couple of three, four minutes. And I said, you know, we heard a good message. I didn't preach in uh, the service there this morning. I said, and the preacher gave a good invitation. I said, and uh, you've heard a little extra now. I said, and uh, I'm not good at giving invitations, so I'm going to ask you to help me give an invitation here. Would you do it? Oh, yes, oh, yes. I said, well, good. When I pray out loud, I want you to pray out loud with me. Don't whisper. I want you to pray like I'm praying. And if you're here and you've not yet received Christ as your Savior, I want you to join us. Now, it's not just me giving an invitation. It's all of us giving an invitation. You're helping me do something that normally I might do alone. But now we're all doing it. Let's bow our heads. And so... I began to pray, dear God in heaven. And they all prayed out, dear God in heaven. I know that I am a sinner. And they all said, I know that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. They all prayed it. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And they all prayed it. I said, I hear and now confess him. I hear and now receive him. God, forgive me and save me from my sins because of what Jesus Christ did for me. I said, and now let me ask, how many of you prayed that prayer as an encouragement to others? You prayed that prayer as an encouragement to others. And uh, they all raised their their hands 
I said, and how many of you did not pray that prayer as an encouragement to others? But you prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior. Would you raise your hand? This <laughs> a dear woman had been going to church there for several years, close friends with uh, the pastor's wife, and she raised her hand. And when she put her hand down, she leaned forward and she put her arms around the pastor's wife who was sitting in front of her. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I remember on one of our trips to Africa, oh, this was one of our earlier trips. Phil was there. He was a singer back in the days. And I told him he was, uh, you know, good at preaching too. But anyway, um, we had five services in one marketplace, open air, one day. We counted, I think it was 252 decisions there. And when we asked the people to pray with us, if they would encourage others to be saved, they did. And it was just wonderful to have the help of the entire audience and inviting folks to come to Christ and to be born anew instantly uh, as Savior. Two men seeking and two men speaking and two men sacrificing. One, 50% of his belongings. Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've wronged any man, uh, I'll restore unto him four times as much. This guy, <laughs> uh, that was wonderful. And uh, Jesus was forfeiting 100% of himself for our transgressions, for our sins uh, that day. And, uh, you know, it may be right here, right now today that God will speak to you and it may be that he may never speak to you again. I had some meetings years ago in Cody, Wyoming. I had a singer traveling with me at, uh, at that time. He was a young man, and he was, he was a good singer. He, he helped me a lot. And we had a meeting at the Grace Baptist Church with Harvey Saddle. He was an old buddy of mine, and he was a, a stubborn, obstinate, unlikable kind of a guy. And... Uh, I thought maybe we can sweeten things up a little bit here at the church and help him out a little bit. I don't know. He got up on the platform Sunday morning. He said, look, if we have 75 teenagers in the audience on Friday night, I'll buy pizza for everybody. Well, I knew when I went to lunch with him, I usually had to pay for it. And so I said to him, I said, Harvey, look, you know, you're going to buy pizza for everybody. That's going to be a couple of hundred plus dollars. You, you got that much money? He said, don't worry about it. We ain't going to have 75. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Well, we had 78 standing count. So he was on the hook. That, and the, the youth workers and everybody that worked for the youth were going to come along. So we had about 83, 84 uh, uh, workers there. Get this little pizza parlor. And there's like 40, 45 people in the pizza parlor. They got a balcony. Goes all the way around and across. And, uh, you know, all the folks are in there. So Harvey's upset. He doesn't like to turn loose of his money. And uh, he said, I, I'm not paying for anything unless we have preaching. I said, well, you want to preach? He said, no, you can preach. I said, well, I'll chicken I ain't if that's what you want. That's what we're going to have. He said, yeah, you preach, and then I'll pay. <laughs> so I went upstairs, got on the balcony, and I said, folks, look. I said, all these youngins out here from the Grace Baptist Church, we just had a marvelous old-fashioned revival meeting this week. A lot of these kids have made decisions to live for the Lord, and we're just out celebrating tonight. Don't let us interrupt your meal. Don't let us interfere with anything that you're doing. And uh, I'm just going to speak briefly to challenge them one more time and just just carry on and so I got started with John 3:16. I said a lot of people think that God knows everything that there's absolutely nothing that 
God doesn't know. Well, I found four things in the Bible that God doesn't know according to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that's the fact, that he gave his only begotten son, that's the act, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that's the impact. But there's four things in that verse that God doesn't know. God doesn't know anyone that he does not love. God doesn't know anyone that Christ did not die for. God doesn't know anyone that he would not save. And so I just preached for seven or eight minutes and uh, we gave the invitation. And uh, I said, let's just bow our heads for a moment here. And every person in the restaurant put down their silverware and bowed their head type of thing. And uh, I said, is there anyone here that would like to receive Christ as their Savior? Just raise your hand and I'll help you. Had a guy about 25 years old down on the main floor. He wasn't in our group. He raised his hand. I said, sir. I said, would you just look up here at me? He did. I said, there's a green station wagon parked right outside at the front door here. Why don't you just get up and go out there, and I'll meet you there, and we'll settle this thing of receiving Christ. I did, and he did. <laughs> you know, sometimes people aren't saved, not because of their unbelief, but because of our unbelief. Because we are not willing to make the offer, to make the presentation, to make the invitation for folks to come to Christ. And we're not willing to sacrifice in order to uh, get it done. You know, 50% is uh, how much of his wealth would 50% be? Half. It's a pretty sharp crew here, I can tell you right now. Uh, half is the correct answer. And, uh, you know, Sometimes we think, well, I'm not mature enough to, you know, uh, commit myself that way. I need more time to grow. That's how you grow. That's how you grow, by making a commitment and keeping that commitment. And, and, and serving the Lord. Surrendering your life. Making your life an offer to, to God. A living sacrifice, as it were. And we oftentimes... Uh, hesitate or postpone or delay or try to outreason why we can't do it right now. And uh, we're unwilling to sacrifice. You know, Jesus gave 100% of himself to uh, make it possible for us to be saved. He withheld nothing. You know, Isaiah tells us that when you looked at Jesus on the cross, he was marred, he was mutilated, he was battered, he was bloodied. He was not recognizable as human. But he went to the cross and he stayed there until he was emptied of himself for the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins. That's what Jesus Christ did. And if we are his, if we belong to him, he told us to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and uh, we need to be willing to make a sacrifice. Two men seeking, two men speaking, two men sacrificing, and two men satisfied. Psalms 107, verse 9 says, He, that is the Lord, satisfies the longing soul. <laughs> My life has never been the same since I came to Christ. Never, never, ever. Not for one day, not for one hour. He satisfies the longing soul. You can have all the new stuff, all the stuff, all of everything, and it will never satisfy you like being right with God, being real with God. And then, of course, in Isaiah 53, 11, the scripture says, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. When Christ went to the cross, when he, he knew what was going to happen, what was going to take place, but he looked beyond that and he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. 
He shall see the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied. My friend, you will never, ever be the person. You will never, ever have what you want or what you could have until you're thoroughly, really, genuinely right with God. You know, we can purge ourselves. We can empty ourselves of ourselves. And God gives us the opportunity and invites us to do that every time we get under Bible preaching. And dear one, if you're here tonight or today or this morning, uh, have you been baptized since your actual conversion? We're going to baptize another uh, person in the next service. Uh, you could be baptized then too in the next service. <laughs> Just like they did in the Bible. What are you waiting on? Uh, if you've confessed the Lord, this would be a marvelous and a wonderful thing for you to take care of right away. We've, uh, we've got changing rooms and all of that, all everything that you need. You can be baptized today. Or you could renew yourself before the Lord and you can say, Lord, I give you all of myself and most of everything else that I have. I give you all of myself. And just let go of those things that have kept you from being the person that God wants you to be. You, you can do that and you can do it uh, before we leave uh, this morning. Let's stand for our response time. Let's just bow our heads for a few moments. If you're making a viable decision this morning, uh, you can let us know when we're dismissed here in just a few moments. Uh, instead of going to the rear, just come to the front. I'd love to pray with you. I know pastor would love to pray with you. If you've got a question, if you've got some kind of barrier or something that would cause you to just postpone or put a personal surrender decision down. Uh, we can help you with it. You know, in Acts 2, they baptized 3,000, 3,000 in one day. You know, if you baptize 3,000 people in one day, what kind of people are you going to be baptizing? Before that person was saved, they could have been a drunkard, a gambler, a gangster, they could have been immoral, they could have been a thief, they could have been a number of things. And you say, Pastor, we can't let people like that come into the church. We have to filter that. Well, they didn't do that in the Bible. When you got born again, you just did what God told you to do. And if you want to get rid of some nasty habit in your life, start obeying God. Get God's strength and God's power into your life. Wonderful thing about Luke he understood God's promise. He was there. He saw the ascension. He saw Jesus ascend into heaven. He was there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and thousands were saved. He was there when God said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. You can change your own life by simply surrendering and God will enable you and equip you to live for him. I have a question in my mind for all of us today. If not now, when? Yes. If, if you do not know the Lord and you're not going to receive him today, then when? What would you be waiting for? The Bible says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Please come and let us help you with that. Um, he's serious. We'll baptize you in the second service. We have shorts and t-shirts. And if we run out, we'll just use the people that went in first and we'll just like, I'm just, I'm just, that's, that's not real. That's not really what will happen. But we'll figure it out if you'd like to be baptized. If not now, when? Yeah. What would you be waiting for? Third thing for all of us. The Lord called us, called our names. And we gave our heart to him. And then he sent us out.
And we have a message to, to give. Yes, Jesus. If not now, what would we be waiting for? For the world to get worse? For the need to be greater? So there's the question for all of us today. We have a team of prayer uh, warriors down here that we want to help you. We'll be down here in the front um, to receive you, if you with whatever decision you would like to make. Thank you for sharing today and thank you for being here. And uh, let's go make a difference for the Lord. Let me just pray over you. Father, help us as we go. Strengthen our hearts and strengthen our resolve to be all that you want us to be out in this world that is in desperate need. They're blind, Lord. And they're seeking something. And you're the only person that can fill the need that their heart has. Help us to see that. And help us to go meet that need with the gospel. And Lord, for those who would be here today that hear our voices online or here in the building that do not know you, I pray that you'll give them the strength and the humility to accept you today, to confess their sin before you, and to be saved and to accept your gift of salvation. Use us, Lord, in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.